Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 27 through 34. I invite you to turn in your own Bibles or simply to follow along and hear as we proclaim this word that God gave to the people of Israel and now to us through his prophet Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of humans and the seed of animals, and just as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring evil, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. In those days... They shall no longer say, the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, but all shall die for their own sins. The teeth of everyone who eats sour grapes will be set on edge. But the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them out of the land of Egypt The covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. I will put my law within them. This covenant I will make with the house of Israel after all those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And no longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. It's the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. Whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I admit, it's an odd choice. The, a reading from the book of Jeremiah is not the obvious option for a commitment Sunday. We've taken extra care this year to try and make our discipleship renewal emphasis feel like a celebration to celebrate things. We, we took the commitment card and we made it a little more colorful this year. We wanted to have something bright and eye-catching. And we've had joyful testimonies. You have remembered together all the wonderful things that God has done for us even in this year. You've heard about how our church has the opportunity to pay off all its debt, be debt-free at the end of this year, and all we have to do is fulfill the pledges that we made for this year. Just keep on track and keep going. You've heard from Don Foos about the faithfulness of this church throughout the life of his family and his own time here and how that faithfulness has shaped his family and himself and how it makes a difference in our community. You heard from Norman Stockman about the difference that was made by all those who have gone before and the faithfulness of those who've gone before and about how the bequest that we know as the Dolphin Way Foundation now serves as the first pledge of each new year of ministry and how in the coming year, thanks to the faithfulness of those who have gone before, that's $84,000 that are provided for us so that we can continue 
proclaiming the good news down to future generations. The first pledge of 2021 comes from those who have gone before. In just a moment, you're going to hear from the Abernathys about their testimony and their celebration and their joyful witness. And together throughout this month, we have told the story of God's covenants in the Bible. We've talked about the unfolding promise that God has through the scriptures as God draws nearer and nearer to us. We've said that God forms a relationship with us primarily by promises, and we have seen why God does that. We have said that God knows that promises are more powerful than predictions. A prediction says, well, if this happens, then this will happen. Then I will. A prediction is always an if-then statement. But a promise says, no matter what, in sickness and in health, in green pastures or in the presence of my enemies, even in the valley of the shadow of death, promises say, I will not let go. And together, we have remembered that we can trust God's faithfulness for our future. We know that God will be faithful because we have seen the promises that God has kept in our past. God's past promises are our future hope. And God's promises for our future are our victory. And the promises that we make to God are our power given by God. So it's not at all obvious that we should be hearing from Jeremiah today. Jeremiah is a decidedly less joyful and triumphant person than we have been hearing from this month. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Jeremiah, the prophet of exile. Jeremiah, who must have been just about the worst fundraiser that, that ever preached to God's people. In Jeremiah's day, there were a lot of court prophets who made a handsome living by telling the king exactly what he wanted to hear, that wasn't Jeremiah. Instead, we are told that Jeremiah came and spoke truth to the king, of Zedekiah of Judah. All the court prophets told Zedekiah, don't worry about this upstart nation, Babylon. They won't have any power over you. God will deliver you. Everything will be fine. And Jeremiah went to King Zedekiah and told the truth that an exile was coming. And surprisingly enough, Zedekiah did not then offer to fund the next three years of Jeremiah's ministry. No, for his troubles, Jeremiah got thrown into a well and then into a prison. And then the people of Judah lost everything, just as Jeremiah had said. And to be fair... Even Jeremiah was not always certain or sure of why he bothered saying the things that he did. Jeremiah one time was praying to God and he said, Every time I talk to you, Lord, things seem to get worse. Every time I talk about you to the people, they seem to get a lot worse. But if I don't talk about you, then my heart sets, your word sets my heart on fire and the flames burn as if they are shut up in my bones. Jeremiah was not a very charismatic preacher. He was not the sort of person who brought a lot of followers alongside him. He did not have some great audience that hung on his every word. And he didn't prevent the people of God from going into exile. 
All that we can say about Jeremiah is that he was faithful. He kept his word. He remembered the promises of God. And he kept faith with God. Early in the last century, there was a different sort of exile when the Russian Communist Party drove the Orthodox Church underground and out of the country. And one of the early Russian refugees was a young child named Anthony Bloom who would go on to take secret monastic vows in the Orthodox Church and then became a member of the French Resistance in World War II. And then he became the Orthodox Bishop of all of Western Europe and one of the greatest teachers on prayer in the 20th century. And in his classic book, Beginning to Pray, Anthony Bloom reflected on the Christian experience in Russia, and he said, in Russia we lost the Christ of the great cathedrals, the Christ of the splendidly architected liturgies, and we discovered the Christ who was vulnerable, just as we are vulnerable. And there comes a time, he said, when there is a longing in the heart for God himself, not for God's gifts, but for God himself. There is a longing for a home, but a home that has no geography, a home where there is love and depth and life. And this longing, Bloom said, is the true beginning of prayer. When our hearts long for God himself and not simply his many benefits, we have truly begun to pray. That's the kind of longing that Jeremiah knew. The longing for a God who is behind and beyond all the beautiful buildings and the thunderous organs and the worship and praise of God in songs of a congregation. The longing for God that has awakened in our hearts is the same longing in our own briefer period of exile, this unexpected season we find ourselves in. We say that we miss so much. We miss the chest-rattling organ. We miss what it's like to hug someone just because we haven't seen them in a whole week. We miss all these good and beautiful gifts when we cannot be among them. But every time we confess what we miss, we are confessing something that makes us feel much more vulnerable. We miss God. We miss something that we were made for. We miss something that we have seen flitting in the corner of our eyes somewhere over there. We miss something that we have never seen in full. We miss the fullness of the presence of God. We miss the promises that have not yet been fulfilled because if the promise was complete, then we would not feel so incomplete. We are longing for Christ to return, for all to be made well. We are waiting. We are Christians. We are waiting for the day when our deepest friendships here and now feel like they are just the first introductions. We are waiting for the day when we are caught up in worship in a temple so grand that even this beautiful feel building feels like it's just one pew. We are longing to sing in the infinite harmony of the heavenly courts. And above all, we are longing for the one who will be listening to it all. 
This God is the one we've been missing, the one that we need. And everything else is just a signpost. What we've wanted all this time is for God to draw near. And everything we've said we were missing, in every touch, in every sound, in every sight, we are really asking God to draw near. And when God did draw near to us in Jesus Christ, when He gave us a holy meal where He promised to be near us, He made the promise that we heard weeks ago. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant. And when He said that, Jesus fulfilled the word that God had spoken centuries before, the word we just heard from Jeremiah, the time is coming when I will make a new covenant. I will put my instructions within the hearts of my people. I will engrave them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will no longer need to teach each other and say, know the Lord. Because they will all know me. From the least to the greatest, that's the new covenant. That's the promise that Jeremiah made that Jesus fulfilled and that we all depend upon that God will be as near to us as our own hearts. That God will be ours and we will be God's people. That's what God promised. That's what every heart is longing for. That is what God has made possible in the covenant of the body of Christ from the least to the greatest we can draw near to God because God has drawn near to us. And what is it that binds us to God and to each other? Is it a building? Is it the songs we know so well? If we believe the Bible, then what binds us to God and to each other his promises. We're a covenant people. The only power that God gives us in this world is the power of faith. And faith is not just about believing an idea. It is not an intellectual assent that says, yeah, that's probably true. Faith is about faithfulness. It is about making promises and living by promises and keeping faith with our promises. To be a disciple is to become faithful as God is faithful. And this power is very different from all the other powers of this world. The powers of this world are steadily and continually looking to unbind the ties of faithfulness. The powers of this world would rather convince us that real power comes from pursuing our own self-interest. Or that real power belongs to those who wield violence. Or that real power is when you can demand someone's loyalty without having to show them any. That's when you have power in their lives. But each of these powers is the corruption of the covenant. And so the church does not wield any of them. We can't pay you or bribe you into making a promise. We don't have an enforcement arm of the church. We can't coerce you. And if you haven't noticed, we aren't even the only option around. There are other places 
each of us could have gone. And there comes a time when there is a longing in our hearts for God. And when we know that, we discover that His closeness, His nearness, the power of His presence comes to us through a promise, a covenant. He wants a relationship with us. And isn't that what we want with God? To have a relationship with God is to accept God's promises and to offer ours in return. And we cannot know how faithful God is unless we will learn about faithfulness from the inside out. We cannot know God fully unless we are all in on God's covenant with us. We can't leave it to others to be faithful on our behalf. The promise that gave Jeremiah hope, the promise that kept him going even in the worst of circumstances, the promise that Jesus made possible with his own body is that they will all know me from the least to the greatest. That's the new covenant. That we're all in this together from the least to the greatest. We can't be the church. If some of us outsource faithfulness to only a handful of donors or prayer warriors or super volunteers, we will all have our distinctive gifts. We will all have something at which we are the greatest and something at which we are the least. But we cannot be the church until we are willing to know God in all of it. In our least gifts and in our greatest ones, we offer them all to God. We cannot know God in a relationship until all our lives are given to God. Our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, our witness, in the normal times and in the, the new normal and in a world turned upside down, in the world that we predicted and the world that we did not, we are a covenant people. Because we serve a covenant God. And we are made into a people by a promise, says Jeremiah. And we will never know the full power of God's promise until every one of us, from the least to the greatest, has come to know God's faithfulness by experience. It may not be obvious that your choices carry such power, the power to draw God near. Maybe you don't feel that powerful. Maybe you are aware of your own failings because, believe me, it is a risky thing to make a promise. The only thing we can predict about our promises is that we will fall short of some of them. We are still learning how to be as faithful as God is to us. We are still learning what it costs to be faithful. After all, it cost God everything. And we are still learning to keep faith with one another. And that means owning up to the places where we haven't yet quite caught, kept up. Like last year. That was the first time that we asked you to include a pledge in one of our core ministries. Not just a financial pledge, but a, a pledge to serve in one of our core ministries. And that was the right thing for us to ask last year. But this time last year, we weren't very well equipped to follow up on that. To pass that information on to our ministry leaders quickly. 
at least not quickly enough to honor your promise. This year will be different. If you make your pledge online, your information was entered immediately. And if you turn in your paper copy, it will be entered and passed along within 10 days. And no matter how you make your promise, you're going to hear from a ministry leader by the end of a week, we can make that promise. And if I can say it for just a moment, I would like to mention that we are especially in need of children's ministry volunteers and AV volunteers here in our worship services. You can imagine that the need is all the greater now that so much is depending not only upon the sound and lights and video here in the place, but as we broadcast it everywhere, we got a few incredibly gifted and dedicated folks and they need some backup. We can't fulfill our promises if we aren't all in. But when we are all in, when we all draw near enough to take our promises and place them in God's hands, the promise we have is that God will draw near to us. And not just to us, but to the whole world. Through us, God draws near to our neighbors. God draws near to the very youngest person who is baptized here and who will know God's presence in their life before they even know their own name. Because you were faithful and you showed up and you declared those promises over them. God draws near in every word that is seen and heard by those who log on, longing for a new relationship with God. And God draws near in every meal that gets delivered to someone's home, in every lesson that is taught, in every door that is opened by an usher on a Sunday morning. God is drawing near. God draws near. When the dollars we were spending on mortgages and loans are done with that work and are now being repurposed directly to making disciples. And God draws near to those whom this disease has devastated whenever we remember them in prayer and in acts of love and this church has been there for them to let them know they are not alone. God draws near in every prayer that you read, that you give, every scripture that you read, and every announcement that we share. It says, here's one more glimpse of the kingdom at work. And we may be separated right now by six feet or by a spotty internet connection for some of you at home or any number of challenges that may be yet to come. But God draws near and God bridges all the broken places of this world every time we insist on showing up however we can just because we promised to be present. God draws us near in our promises. And it's not entirely obvious that this season out of all seasons could be the one that God is using to draw near and draw us near and draw others near who have been far off for a very long time. But that's what has happened. And that's the power of a promise and a God who is making all things new. And our hearts have been full of longing, haven't they? But it's only been a new awareness of what we've needed all along. We have been longing for God. For the relationship that God intended from the very beginning. And relationship comes through promises. Like the ones that we renew today. 
And even now, even now, God is drawing near. So let us do the same. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.